Welcome to the Swine Health Black Belt Podcast, the latest swine health research digested for you. Swine Health Black Belt Podcast is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like SCA Ventilation and Management Solutions, made for farmers by farmers since 1966. Beringer Ingelheim, through innovative solutions, cutting-edge research, and world-class experts, Beringer Ingelheim helps producers operate with complete confidence. Learn more at swineresource.com. My name is Dr. Clayton Johnson, your host for today's episode, and joining me from Iowa State University is Dr. Gorov Rao. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Rao. Hi, Dr. Clayton Johnson. Thank you for invitation. Uh, my pleasure to host you. Um, I know that we have we have communicated with each other several times through the years, but please, for the audience that may not have had the pleasure to meet you, uh, please introduce yourself. So I'm Gaurav Rawal. I did my DBM from Nepal in 2014. Uh, I came to US in 2017 for my master's degree in veterinary preventive medicine with Dr. Linares and Dr. Bailey Arruda. So after completing my master's, I joined Dr. Jin Jong at Iowa State uh, in Department of BDPAM for my PhD degree. Um, after my DBM, I spent two years about in feed industry, uh, working as a technical service uh, officer. My research interest is on diagnosing and uh, researching on soin viruses, particularly PERS virus, but I'm also interested in working with other soin pathogens such as influenza A virus, coronaviruses, and astroviruses. Very good. I know that you're here to join us today to bring your expertise about PERS diagnostic technologies, and in particular, PCR-specific assays that look for modified live PERS vaccines. Could you talk to us a little bit about why is this important? Why is there a demand for a, a PCR for PERS that is specific to different types of vaccine viruses? Yes, sure. So as you know, uh, we are using these MLV vaccines quite a lot to prevent and control PERS, so which is the, the best way uh, we can say to prevent and control the PERS right now we have. And uh, if we see the VDL data over the years, the, uh, the PCR cases is doubling in the last 10 years. We have a lot of PCR results right now, but the problem with the result, there's a problem with the result interpretation whether these results are positive by vaccine or from the wild type. We do have a sequencing tool to differentiate the vaccine type and wild type, such as Sanger sequencing, whole genome sequencing, but these tools are fairly expensive and also the turnaround time is three to five days for them. Mm -hmm. Apart from them, these sequencing tools also require a better quality RNA in the sample. So you will need to have a decent CT of, uh, let's say, 28 or less than that for PERS. In other hand, the vaccine-based PCR, the turnaround time is the same day for same like a commercial screening PCR, which you have right now, and it is cheaper. It's just $35 in ISU VDL right now. So um, another point is that this uh, vaccine-based PCR, for, for instance, in our case, is Perscar vaccine-specific PCR. They can successfully detect the vaccine virus in a sample, even the wild type is co-present there. So let's say when we always have this scenario, when we do a vaccine challenge study, we wanna see how long the vaccine is setting in the sample. So using this vaccine specific assays, we can detect that when the wild type is co-present in the sample. Very good. So I can see uh, many different applications of that sort of uh, technology um, and probably the, the most 
common one I would imagine is sample goes to the diagnostic lab, it is positive on the initial screening PCR, and then we do a follow-up test on maybe a vaccine-specific PCR for the specific vaccine that we were using in our herd if we think there's one there. Uh, do you have, knowing that there are multiple different MLV strains that are out there, do you have assays developed at this point, Gaurav, uh, for all of the different MLVs that are commercially available in the United States? So, yeah, we uh, we are in the process of developing a multiplex PCR for, for the first vaccine assays. So we have uh, in-house, uh, we have Dr. Harmon have previously developed some vaccine-specific PCR for Privacy and Fostera Prime Pack. So... Uh, me and my professor, Dr. Jang, we also are trying to develop that. We are under the, uh, under, it's, the work is under progress right now. So very soon, I think we will uh, be able to uh, provide that multiplex assay for detecting at least, uh, um, I'm not sure if we were able to include all of them because we have right now six MLV vaccines in the market, uh -huh. but we, we will try to uh, accommodate the most you know, used one Today, of the of the six available, do you have most of those available as an individual PCR that can be requested? Yes, we do. It's uh, it's under R and D, but we do have them. Very good. How about the uh, the sensitivity of those assays that are vaccine specific assays? Are they as sensitive as the overall PERS uh, PCR assay, or maybe a little less sensitive? So, in this uh, study, uh, when we uh, derived this first guard vaccine PCR assay. We found the sensitivity actually very similar to commercial assay. So in this in this case, we used the Vetmax from Thermo Fisher. So what we found when we did the analytical sensitivity, it was 10 to the power five dilution when we did a serial dilution with vaccine virus. But uh, and we also uh, did uh, with the analytical sensitivity with the RNA that IVT RNA and the uh, limit of detection for this assay was 16 genomic copies per reaction. So. Uh, Overall, I think it's a very good analytical sensitivity from the assay. And if we talk about the performance of the assay when we evaluate it against the reference PCR, so analytical, like overall, the diagnostic sensitivity was about 95%. Okay. Do you have a, a CT threshold that you advise uh, veterinarians on where if you are lower than this CT on the regular PERS assay, the first screening PERS PCR, we would expect it to be successful on the vaccine if that's what it is, um, or, or is just any positive, no matter what the CT is, is worth testing on the vaccine specific assay to see if it's there because any positive on the, the overall PERS PCR will also be a positive on the vaccine specific one. I think we can we can say that we uh, I don't think we will divide them by the like uh, like in the sequencing you know we will not we will not divide the sample by the CT you know with these two different assays mm -hmm. but I have to say this to you that for the first card assay we put a cutoff of 36 and for the reference PCR like uh, the normal term of PCR we have right now in the VDL we have a cutoff of 37 so why we did that is that when we when we do when we see the overall data you know from the serum samples from the oral fluid samples we uh, we try to be you know uh, consistent and then hence we did that uh, we put a cutoff of 36 uh, uh, for the first guard pcr but um, i don't think we need to uh, you know say okay we can do we can send these samples for first guard we, we cannot send these samples for screening 
Dr. Rao, the reality is with a lot of these PERS infections, there's not just one virus there. Uh, there may be multiple field strains. There may be a field strain and a vaccine. Theoretically, there could be multiple vaccines present within a sample. How do you how do you uh, handle those situations from a diagnostic assay standpoint? Um, are you able to differentiate multiple infections from single, or say there is a wild type virus and the MLV virus together in the sample? Will the MLV assay still pick up a positive result? How can you help us think through the diagnostic steps for that situation? Yeah, that's a good point. So, um, so this assay uh, we recommend to use with the uh, reference PCR with the commercial PCR. Because uh, the, the vaccine-specific PCR will only tell you whether vaccine virus is present, yes or no. That's it. So the, any uh, positive first card or negative vaccine assay cannot exclude the you know, presence of wild type or presence of other, another vaccine strain. So, so back to your question. So if we have the reference PCR data and then we have this uh, vaccine-specific PCR data, so we can we can see whether you know we can check the data and we'll see whether the vaccine virus is present in it or not. So like you said, there's a co-present situation, right? So uh, if it's one strain, yeah, we can do that with one vaccine-specific assay and the screening PCR. We can see that. But for detecting the multiple 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 vaccine strain, we need to uh, have a multiplex multiplex assay for that. Yeah. Very good. Gaurav, can you, uh, can you give producers and, and veterinarians any advice on when they should use the, the assay for just a specific MLV strain versus requesting a sequence? Do you have any, any recommendations there for the best cases for either option on the diagnostics? So, yeah, this is a little, little hard, to, hard to say because, uh, you know, and, uh, if I have to um, suggest to the producers, like, uh, if... Uh, if we know, sometimes we know what we are putting in the pigs, right? Let's say we put the first card vaccine in the pig and we want to see the setting, like how long the vaccine is setting in the pigs, yes or no. So then this assay can be uh, good for you when you, but, but still you need to uh, use both assays, the commercial and the vaccine specific. That's a recommendation. We cannot go without that. But, uh, but if we don't know anything, what, what you have put in the pigs, so, um, you know, we still need to rely on the sequencing to see what's going on there. Lasonia infection poses a major threat to pig gut health, negatively impacting performance and the ability to fend off other pathogens. Fight Lasonia at the site of infection with Enterosol ileitis from Behringer Ingelheim, a convenient oral vaccine that stimulates a direct immune response. Talk to your Behringer Ingelheim representative to learn more. And I know sometimes for me, uh, it's, it's simply a function of time. Um, you know, any evidence tomorrow or today may be, may be better than no evidence or waiting for the sequencing. So there are times where if I'm really pushed to make a decision with the information I have, I may request both. I may request the sequencing to get that in process and then also request a MLV specific PCR to try and get that information as fast as possible too. I would imagine that's a fairly common request to the diagnostic lab now. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's the follow-up with, with the clients here. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Uh, I think it's very good information. And to our audience, thank you very much for listening to the Swine Health Black Belt podcast. Please visit us at swinehealthblackbelt.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on next week's episode. Thanks and have a great week. Hey, everyone. We're always searching for the latest and greatest research to share each week. 
If you have a swine health-related research trial and would like to come on the show to talk about it with me and share it with our audience, feel free to send an email to healthblackbelt at swineit.com, and we would love to take a look at your research.